Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1, and we're going to be reading verses 5 through 7. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure through the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Amen, dear saints. You may be seated. We're continuing in our exciting early sections of 2 Corinthians 1. And what a fantastic book this already is. And we're off to a really good start. But always before we go into the text and preach and hear uh, the gospel, Jesus Christ speak to us. It is well for us to pray and to present ourselves to him in love and in humility and in confidence. So let's go to the throne again. Father, we do thank you that we can do that. Come to this throne, loving a God that allows your beloved to suffer, but always to be comforted. We thank you that that is your perfect pattern. We thank you that our blessed Lord Jesus underwent it for us. We praise you that you are such a, a good God. Now, fill your saints with Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God today, the man of life. May they take him deeply into their hearts and be built up more conformed into who Jesus is. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So please notice that the title for our sermon this morning is Suffering and Comfort, and the order is important. Suffering and then comfort. This is God's way, his paradigm. Crucifixion precedes resurrection. Even our blessed Lord Jesus had to go through that process. And our entire life as being sanctified saints in the church of God while in the church militant is a process of undergoing death and resurrection, suffering and comfort. And we need both of them. When I pray for the faithful saints, I know that you are those who suffer because that is part and parcel of the life of a true Christian. But I also know that you are comforted by a loving, tender, gracious God who is the God of mercies and the Father Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, as we saw even last Sunday from verse 3 of today's text. Now, this morning's scripture lesson is a remarkable section of Holy Scripture, and it's sure to bless every true saint found in any of his faithful congregations anywhere on the globe. Everyone suffers since the fall of man into sin. When Adam sinned, the whole creation began to groan. Everything dies. There is suffering. It is inherent to the fallen world. It did not come as a surprise to the sovereign God. It was all part of his great decree, knowing that by allowing the fall, God would receive the greatest possible glory through the incarnation of the second person of the Godhead, who would then die on behalf of elect sinners who would be his church, and he would receive from them throughout all eternity great praise and glorious, wonderful adoration. 
of them. Dears, do you know that everyone suffers since the fall of man into sin, not just the elect redeemed church, but the reprobate human beings? And you might even say the demons, certainly the animals, the inanimate things of the world, they also suffer. But the reality is that regenerate Christians who love God are the only ones that actually make something good out of their suffering. Better said, God makes something good out of it. All things work together for good for those who love God, those called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8.28. The unregenerate, people that don't love God, they do suffer, but their suffering is wasted. And they go off to the world and seek its lies and fads to find some kind of relief from their pain and anguish, and we can't blame them for that. If someone comes to me and I offer them the gospel and they don't aren't interested... I'm going to tell them what else they could choose. I might have some sort of temporal help for symptoms of life and problems that people have. The world seeks its comfort, of course, but the true saints are the only ones that really get it. Now, we do suffer more than the unredeemed, but we also are comforted much more deeply. And therefore, with all that in mind, with faith, grace, joy, and humility... Let us make it our goal this Lord's Day to suffer and be comforted in Jesus as God's supernatural church. Looking together at 2 Corinthians 1, 5 through 7. Title of the sermon, Suffering and Comfort. The doctrine, we start an outline here. Sanctified suffering and comfort is always all in Christ alone. Now that's absolutely key, an important point. There is no sanctified or valuable or useful suffering outside of Christ. As I mentioned, unbelievers waste their sufferings. Christ's lovers in the church who suffer benefit from their hardships. And this is a critically important thing for us to try to grasp because it's very helpful, especially as we go through these hardships and trials of life. And every true saint has them. Anything separated from Jesus Christ is utterly worthless and ultimately of no value or even essence. And everything united to Jesus Christ is absolutely priceless and valuable, even if it comes with grief and hardship, sorrow, suffering and loss and difficulty, even tribulation, distress and persecution. Let us therefore firmly in our hearts accept and comprehend that sanctified suffering and comfort is always all in Christ alone. That's important. It's in Christ alone. It's not in ourselves, it's not in our religious nature, it's not in our best efforts or deeds, it's in Jesus alone that it's sanctified. Because of this, hardship is thoroughly worthwhile. T-H-O-R-O-U-G-H-L-Y. Thoroughly worthwhile. How can Satan beat us, destroy us, when even our sufferings accrue to our good, as per the aforementioned Romans 8.28. Now, he can discourage us, he can hurt us, he can hinder us, he can make life miserable for a while, but he cannot beat us. On top of that, we get to also experience the Heavenly Father's comfort 
out of those sorrows, verses 3 to 7 of 2 Corinthians 1, this wonderful text and section. The poor old snake has no real chance against us, and neither do any of his demons or fallen humans who hate and despise and loathe us so much because we preach and believe and embrace this gospel of this wonderful Savior, and we will not move from it, we will not be compromising it, and we will not forsake our Redeemer. And therefore, we're the objects of hate and scorn and disgust and passion and rage and wrath, and yet we stand against all of it and keep our stand and don't fail and continue to keep our feet in Jesus Christ, the firm foundation. Keep in mind, dears, that this is all valuable because it's in Christ and us in him. That's the key point. It's thoroughly worthwhile, not because we're Stoics and think that we'll become something better because we suffered, but because the suffering and the comfort is in Jesus himself. Suffering in Christ is always worthwhile. Consider just one verse to prove it, a really great one. Romans 8.17 says, And if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, that's sort of the, the bugaboo of the Christian life, isn't it? Have you ever asked yourself, why is it that faithful churches aren't big and there aren't a lot of people that come to faithful churches, typically? Why is it that the true religion is kind of smallish? Well, it's because thoughtful people recognize this truth that Jesus Christ actually calls all of his disciples to give up everything to follow him. Everything. Mother, father, wife, child, life, your own life, everything has to be placed under him. Jesus Christ, the life of the gospel, the church, must come first over everything. And they understand that that requires crucifixion, and that's not happy, and that requires suffering. And the thoughtful ones among them say, no thanks. I'm just not up for that. And frankly, I can respect that. Jesus told people to count the cost before embarking on this Christian life. Count the cost. This is something you really want to do. That's not just true for the ministry, going into the ministry, although it is eminently true there, but it's also true in just being a faithful Christian churchman that can actually keep one's vows from Sunday to Sunday, which is a profound miracle. Only victorious Christian churchmen in love with God through Jesus Christ could say with the Apostle James these amazing words. Now let this sink into your ears. This comes from James 1, 3 to 5. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, that's pretty revolutionary. What can a a devil do to us who count it joy when we actually have to encounter various trials? Now, we aren't foolish, we're not stupid, and we don't like suffering. If we do, we're perverse. Suffering in its very nature is not desirable. And yet, the effects of it in Jesus Christ, and especially the comfort we get in Jesus and his gospel the assurance that all our sins are washed away, 
that we're not under condemnation, this is a glory beyond imagination. But do you realize, dears, that suffering, even in Christ, is of no avail without God's comfort or relief in Christ? And we're going to joyfully behold that point now. Sanctified suffering and comfort is always all in Christ alone. Because of this, hardship is thoroughly worthwhile since, through stress and relief from it, God shapes us into Jesus' image. Do you know that we who are in Christ are not exclusively conformed to the Son of God's image through suffering, but that we are also molded into that glorious personage and character through our Heavenly Father's comfort of us? Did you catch that? It's not just suffering. We're also conformed to Jesus' image through the comfort we receive from God. This is an intriguing and sweet teaching of Holy Scripture. Think of it this way, even our blessed Lord Jesus Christ himself had to have relief in his human nature, even in his most grievous sufferings on our behalf. You ever think about that? Do you remember Luke 22.43, which says this, about our Savior's anguish in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there appeared to Christ an angel from heaven strengthening him. Even Jesus had to have comfort, and we do too. As he needed it, that release, so do we. And the greatest expression of this is being unshackled from all our sins and the condemnation that is due them, which he bore in his own body on our behalf and took away from us the eternal wrath of God in his divine nature. Let's do the exegesis of these verses 5 through 7 of Second Corinthians 1 and marvel at the qualities of Christian suffering and comfort. The three beautiful verses of our scripture lesson for today tie Christ, the ministry, and the church totally together. What happens to one, Christ, the ministry, or the church, affects the others. And this experience of suffering in Christ and being comforted in Christ builds the lovely church community about which we spoke at some length last Sunday morning in the sermon. Let us now take deeply into our hearts the qualities of Christian suffering and comfort. First, It is something fully experienced in Jesus. Verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Now this point about union with Christ made earlier needs to be reemphasized here. Notice the word abundantly found twice in this verse 5. We're not talking here about small measures. Rather, We're referring to large proportions. We suffer a lot and we are comforted a lot. At least commensurate with it. The glory is that it's all, not mostly, not 90%, it's 100% in Christ and that makes it valuable and worthwhile. Everything you believe, experience, and do as a spirit-filled, faithful Christian churchman, even though you're still a sinner, struggling, faltering, is brokered in and through your glorious Lord Jesus Christ, and this includes all your sanctified suffering and comfort. 
So what is the difference between sanctified suffering and unsanctified suffering from our point of view? Essentially, the difference is whether or not we exercise the God-given faith that we've been given in our regeneration, in our justification, in our adoption, in our sanctification, in our walk with God, if we exercise that faith, even though it's not perfect, it's in a perfect one, that is sanctified suffering and comfort. The qualities of Christian suffering and comfort. It's something fully experienced in Jesus, and it's something undergone for each other in the church. Verse 6, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Now this verse 6 shifts the weight from the person of Christ to the ministry of Christ, which two entities, in fact, aren't ever able to be separated. Paul is telling the Corinthian church, a congregation he's had to scold in the past, that the minister's affliction and comfort, specifically that of Paul and Timothy, who have been referenced earlier in this chapter at the beginning of the book, accrues to the betterment and benefit of the whole church, and in this case, that of Corinthian parish. Especially is this true as, in fact, the believers to whom Paul wrote, and us as well, quote, patiently endure the same sufferings. We can say what we would about the Corinthian church, but here Paul says they patiently endure the same sufferings. That's saying a lot. They had certainly grown since that first letter. What are these sufferings? Well, the Apostle Paul will flesh some of them out in next week's text from verses 8 through 11, which is extremely exciting. But for now, let us suffice it to say that these sufferings are hardships of the soul that can take any number of forms. It's usually a suffering of the heart, the soul, the deep part of us. Are we really justified? Are our sins forgiven? Does God really love us? Am I assured of his love? Those kinds of questions that people ask and that Christians in the church may have the answer to and be assured of. Indeed, dears, these are the sufferings of the soul by which and through which we are more and more conformed into Jesus' image. When your pastor suffers, you suffer. When your pastor is comforted, you are comforted. The same may be said of the other shepherds in the church. We're all in this together. And this is Paul's teaching here. And as long as we stay united to Christ and each other by saving faith, we are unbeatable and can withstand any suffering and enjoy every comfort. The qualities of Christian suffering and comfort. It's something fully experienced in Jesus, something undergone for each other in the church. And finally, it is something that firmly establishes our faith in Christ. Verse 7. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. As goes the ministry, so goes the church. As goes the church, so goes the world. We know this is true. It's the doctrine of the Bible. The good news here in verse 7 is that the true church of Jesus Christ will always persevere. 
There will always be a true church of Jesus Christ on the earth. Always. No matter how torturous and grievous the sufferings the church may have to go through and persecutions and all those things, there will always be a faithful church. And the reason Paul could and would be so confident was not because he was so great or certainly because the Corinthian Christians were so wonderful, but because... The triune God was and is perfectly faithful and steadfast in every way. Paul knew himself to be in Christ. And because of this, he also knew that everyone who attached themselves to him, as he was a faithful minister in Christ, was also, in fact, showing undeniable evidence of being faithful and true in Jesus. There's an interesting doctrine of the New Testament especially, how the ministry, the church, all together is united with Jesus. It's really not that hard for a Christ-called minister to discern the true saints from hypocrites. Those who love Jesus also love the faithful ministry, even if that comes with the price of scorn and hate and opposition. Let's do a little bit of application this morning and wonder at why suffering and comfort is savory, S-A-V-O-R-Y, which means good, for the elect redeemed church. Part of the reason for this, it's true, is because it's shared, even as today's verses keep reminding us. In other words, the church's glorious life of community in Christ is enhanced and fostered through the personal connectedness we have with him and each other, especially as it touches on our mutual hardships and consolation of soul and body in Jesus. Let us now come to sincerely value why suffering and comfort is savory for the elect redeemed church. First, because... It is the means God uses to make us happy and holy in Christ. Now, do we naturally want to be happy? Yes, since God created us to be desirous of being happy. Do we who are in Christ want to be holy? Yes, if we understand the truth that happiness is impossible without holiness. But the problem is that we all know, unless we're fools like the self-righteous, even religious people of the world who think they are holy in their wickedness, that we are not even close to being holy in ourselves. We know that. Not even close. And this all-consuming conundrum is finally and fully alleviated in the Christ of the gospel. Jesus himself is the redeemed, regenerated Christian churchman's Holiness. We have all our holiness in him. All of it is in him. 100% of it. We have it in no other way. Christ is our justification, our righteousness, our goodness, and our holiness, and every other good thing that we get to enjoy. Still, our Father in heaven does use suffering in order that we can and will know his and his faithful church's comfort. Think about it this way, no suffering, no comfort. None of us like suffering, as I mentioned earlier. We're not supposed to. It would be wrong to. But this does not mean we cannot really and wholeheartedly appreciate what comes out of it, since that consolation and comfort we glean from God our Father and through him, his beloved Son, Jesus, and his church, is worthy and wonderful. And it is, it's great, the comfort that we receive. We wouldn't appreciate it without the suffering. 
These are really intense verses. If you think these are intense, wait till next week, uh, 8 to 11. What Paul actually talks about there, I think, is pretty singular in his experience as an apostle. Why suffering and comfort is savory for the elect redeemed church? Because it is the means God uses to make us happy and holy in Christ. And because it is the way God communicates his practical love to us in Christ. We ever thought about it this way? How would we be able to love each other well in the church on earth if God did not provide us in Jesus sweet comfort to apply to all the afflictions, sins, and discomforts that we must experience in this fallen, dead, corrupt world that we live in? We must have this comfort. Say it another way. Down here in the church militant, love is expressed in relating to each other and in comforting each other. Now, there's, we don't always have the answers to all the perplexing dilemmas of things that befall us in this world. I mean, it would be, I suppose, nice to. We don't have those answers any more than Job did in his distress. But the church does have God our Father's comfort in Christ, and that is far more important and valuable than answers. So how do we communicate practical love to each other in the church in Christ? Principally, through partaking of God our Father's love for us in Jesus his Son. And this will be manifest first in doctrinal words of gospel grace, because the church is all about the gospel, and it's built on doctrine, and Jesus is the foundation. It's built on words of gospel grace, which then will be demonstrated in loving prayers, words, and deeds. Only the true, faithful, humble, and Christ-consumed church gets to enjoy the supreme and heavenly blessing, but that doesn't mean we don't share it with those outside. Chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians is going to declare that we are ambassadors for Christ, and we call others to be reconciled to God. We do everything we can to get that gospel out as far and wide as possible. That is something that love compels us to do. Love for God. Love for neighbor. What is this gospel? Well, it's that Jesus died for sinners, not self-righteous people that don't need him, but real sinners who really need him, who really understand that there is a problem here in the heart, a problem with a holy God, the fear of God leading to the glory of grace in Jesus Christ, the wonderful comfort we have from the forgiveness of all our sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb. That's what the church is about. That's what the gospel is about, and that's what we are about. And that's the message we have for sinners, that he died for us and he rose for our justification. He validated his claims. He was crowned the Lord and King and Prince of of the church and the world, And he reigns and rules at the Father's right hand in his session, interceding for us at his right hand. What is required of us sinners? Do we have to cry a lot? Do we have to weep a lot? Do we have to pray a lot? Do we have to try a lot? Do we have to look around a lot? Do we have to do a lot of things? Do we have to get on with the world's program and its religions and its noble deeds of perversions by which it seems to want to justify itself? No, none of that. What is required of real sinners is faith in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Beloved, suffering and comfort leads to consolation, joy, growth, and grace in our blessed Redeemer. 
Let us be thankful for suffering and comfort. Let's pray. Father, thank you for suffering and comfort. It would be hard for us to thank you for suffering without comfort, but we have it, abundances of it. And help us to be willing to persevere as long as you have us in this world, uh, to live fully, responsibly, uh, faithfully, to be willing to endure and yet to also enjoy the great wonders, to be able to handle this amazing package of suffering and comfort, to be able to, in Jesus, manage it, but only in him, to be able to, Lord's Day to Lord's Day, undergo these transformations more into the image of Jesus. Thank you for Paul's example, his incredible candor, his own willingness to share his sufferings, the connectedness the ministry has with the church and the gospel. And we thank you, Father, for the glories of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.